Welcome to the National Bliss Podcast. My name is Joyce Wheeler and I will be your host. If you're interested in protection against the electromagnetic field, visit MajesticTerror.com and go to Shopify. We have plenty of Shanghai products to suit all of your needs, including jewelry. And if you need custom piece jewelry, just go ahead and message me, share your design, and I will go ahead and create it. Today, we have with us Jillian Rothschild Scholar. She is a classically trained feng shui expert. Her foundational training is in the ancient wisdom of a 400-year-old Wu Chang feng shui mastery lineage. She has been working in a private feng shui consultancy <laughs> since 2010 and uses the wisdom of ancient time-tested methods, systems, and applications while offering practical solutions for modern lifestyles. One of her strengths is that she simplifies the intricate details so clients can take immediate action to enhance the physical, emotional, and or spiritual aspects of their lives. Jillian, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So what got you interested in feng shui? I was, well, I was a little bit of a weird kid. (laughs) I acknowledge when I look back on my life, I was already like as a child, I remember moving my furniture around in my room. I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew that I was always rearranging my furniture as a kid. One of my first memories about being interested in anything that was alternative was like fighting with my dad for the newspaper because he wanted the crossword puzzle and I wanted the horoscope section and it was on the same page. And so like, he would be like, no, no, I'm on the, so we would fight about it. And that was one of my first memories, like acknowledging something alternative was of interest to me. And then that just sort of grew as I aged and went to college. And even though I graduated, did my undergrad right after that, I started going to like the world of self-help and exploring all the things that made myself better and different. And I got exposed to all kinds of different healing methods. I trained in Reiki and, um, along the way I heard about feng shui and, uh, other, astrology. I became interested in Chinese astrology. And there was just a time in my life when I was working in a corporate environment. And although I thought things were going really, really well, turned out they weren't. (laughs) All of a sudden I had moved into this house and everything started to fall apart. My relationship with my boss started to go sour. My team relationships were not going well. My husband and I were arguing. Things just started to go. And it all happened at once. Wow. Yeah. It just kind of, well, and people can understand this. Like you sort of feel like things start to hit the fan one at a time. And it's like, if it's one thing you can handle it, but when it's more than one thing, you start to go, what is going on? And right. after like, it's almost like jumping out of an airplane. Like I jumped out of the airplane, I hit the ground, right? I hit the rock bottom. And then I kind of looked around and I was like, what, what happened? I didn't have a parachute. I hit the ground and I picked myself up and I was like, I wonder if it's the house. Cause we had just moved into a house a few months before that. And, um, I remembered that feng shui is supposed to help with situations exactly like that. And so I called for help. That's, and that's really what got into it. I wasn't trying to make feng shui my career, but once I called for help and I had my own consultation and I started feeling the difference between a crappy situation and what it can feel like when the energy was working for me, then I was like, oh, this is great. If I can have this, anybody can have this. (laughs) And so I started diving right in. Right. So, so the first thing I would have done moving into a new, new house is I would have saged it. I would have smudged it. 
I built the whole thing. Yeah. But yeah, you know, energy is really a very big part of our world and something that really is not talked about. No. You know, the fact that we're all vibrational frequency and that things have vibrational frequency and how they affect us. So you must have come across that too, moving into this new house and everything that's going chaotic and you're going, oh, it must be the energy. Right. Because I also used to work at Pier 1 Imports. And so anybody listening to the show will probably remember Pier 1. It doesn't exist anymore, but their whole motto was all about beautifying the wall, you know, the interior walls of your home, right? So everything looked beautiful. I had lot, I have lots of stuff from Pier 1 from the years that I worked there. So I know how to make the interior pretty. But what I figured out was that even though it looked pretty, didn't mean that the energy was working for me. And so with feng shui, I started to understand that it really is a support system for our lives. And people go, well, what is feng shui? So to me, it's really a support system for our lives. When our lives have support through our environment, then it's much easier for us to achieve the things that we want in life, like well-being, abundance, love, and happiness. So feng shui translated from Chinese literally means wind and water. And it's this ancient Chinese study of the natural environment that allows us to create harmony and balance within any environment. And so that we can have support from that environment and we can thrive. So I know feng shui incorporates elements. So tell me what are the importance of those elements? So you're taught referencing what are called the five elements. So there are some basic principles in feng shui. One of them is the five elements. The five elements are known as water, wood, fire, earth, and metal. And these are unseen energies that are considered to make up the universe, not just the earth that we, you know, the planet that we're on, but everything in the universe, all of the energy and all the different dimensions that we're in. And so we interact with those five elements within our environment, within our actual walls of our home, and also the physical land that our, our buildings reside on and our own Mm -hmm. personal energy. And this is how I work in my own practice, because I work with the building, the people, and the timing. And this is what's known as heaven, earth, human luck. So these are what are called the three lucks. Heaven luck, which is like destiny, things that are fated for you. Uh, Heaven, that's heaven. Uh, Earth luck is like the feng shui, the things that you control in your physical environment. And human luck are your free will and your choices. So along with the five elements, when you incorporate human luck and earth luck, you can really control about two thirds of your, your space and your environment. And then all the other things that to keep in mind too, are also the yin and yang polarity. So everyone knows the yin and yang symbol that there's, you know, black and white and dark and light and good and bad, and nothing is forever good or bad. And we go through these cycles of energy that we keep in mind with the five elements. So water has a yin property and a yang property. Fire has a yang property and yin property. And part of what I do is put all these pieces together, the human energy, the energy of the building and the timing so that people can get good results. Do you need to physically be there to do this or can you do this long distances? I I do a lot of remote work, especially during the pandemic. I mean, I was doing remote work before this, but that's not, people don't really know that that's okay. I mean, I was working remotely beforehand. And so there's a quite a bit that we can do remotely. I mean, especially now because we have a lot of technology, right? Like I can look at a property via a satellite and I can see what's going right. on in the land. So we have a lot more technology than was available thousands of years ago, right? Um, so we certainly can do work remotely. And it also depends on the, the goal of the client. So depending on what the client needs or 
what it is that they're trying to achieve will determine whether or not an onsite is required. Of course, I can do so much more onsite because I'm there physically. I can right. use a Chinese compass called a Lopan to take a very specific direction, which is gives me the very specific orientation of the building, like accurate to a half a degree, which is very, very specific. Um, and that means that I can build different kinds of formulas and tap into different types of methods when I'm, when I can measure that in person, depending on what the client needs, they might not need something so, uh, so powerful or so significant based on what their goals are. So a remote consultation can be done. So if they were doing it virtual, do they like take pictures or video of like the rooms that they're, you know, how to, how does that work? How does that work? Yeah. I and mean, the first thing that I like to do with all my clients for a feng shui consultation is to have a discovery session. So we'll spend usually about an hour talking about what's working, what's not working, what you've tried, what, um, what your goals are, um, where you are now, where you want to go. Um, and I always ask for a floor plan. So I will ask clients for a floor plan. And then usually once I have the floor plan, I'll take the client's uh, birthday information so I can look at their own personal energy in their Chinese astrology chart. And we'll do some type of video conferencing. Pictures are great, but it's nowadays we can jump on a video conferencing and you can give me a tour of your home. You can walk me around outside, walk me around inside, pan around the room. I can see what's going on. It's really an interesting experience when people do that because sometimes they'll pan around the room and I'll be like, oh, what's that over there? And they don't even think about talking about it, but then I have questions about that thing over there. And it really brings, um, it brings a different type of uh, translation or different kind of experience to me as a practitioner so that I can understand what's really happening in the space. And also how, how someone walks through the space is really important because which room are you starting with? Are you starting with the front door? Are you starting with a garage door? Are you starting with the kitchen, the living room? All of these things give me information about how you feel about your space and what's working, what's not. So video conference is usually something that works very well, you, up to two hours um, where we, we talk, I observe, we, we discuss what's going on. Um, and then once we have a video conference meeting for a remote consultation, I make a report with some recommendations and we can always go over that report after it's delivered if somebody has questions um, to see how you want to proceed. So let's talk about the directions. Yeah. Because I know like the, correct me if I'm wrong, the southeast corner is the money corner of the house. Ah, okay. So a lot of people have this question because much of what is ex described about feng shui on social media and in sort of modern modern interpretation is what's called the Bagua mm -hmm. through something called the life aspirations map. And the life aspirations map says there's a corner for wealth. There's a corner for relationships. There's a corner for mm -hmm. money. There's a corner for children and creativity and so forth. Um, and it, I practice classical feng shui. So in classical feng shui, I'm actually taking the orientation of the building and laying over this map uh, based on the specific direction. The life aspirations map is laid on the property the same every single time. What I do is I customize it to the very specific direction. So it's a little bit different. So what that means is there's not only one place to tap into money. There's not only one place to tap into relationships. There's not only one way to bring energy into the space. Because a lot of times people will look at this life aspirations map and they'll lay it on their home and go, oh my God, my toilet is in my love sector. Does that mean my relationships are doomed? <laughs> no, no, no. That's not how it works with classical feng shui. That, no, there's, there's always more than one way to skin a cat. It's 
So um, it's a great question, but that's actually, that's actually not high practice. Yeah, and I've heard too, you know, uh, you mentioned the bathroom that like you should keep the toilet closed and like be being careful where you place certain things, like buy a near a bathroom because uh, like with wealth, your wealth could be flushed down the sink or down the toilet. So the, interestingly, uh, I don't like to leave toilet seats off because I just think that's gross, but that actually has nothing to do with feng shui. <laughs> No, it has nothing to do with feng shui. It's just, I just don't want to, I don't need to see the toilet, whether it's clean or not, just not, I don't need to. Right. Now the truth is with classical feng shui, an appropriately placed bathroom can actually be very beneficial. So my teacher, my master teacher loved to say that everyone, when they're wanting feng shui, they always want the whole enchilada. And sometimes all you get are the nachos and the nachos are your beds, (laughs) your door, your stove in your kitchen. It could be a water feature. It could be an office. Um, there's a few things that can, you know, compose the nachos. So sometimes you don't have a whole lot to work with, but when you're building a property um, from ground up, we can really customize it and put the bathroom in a place that is, makes it a good place for it to be, or a kitchen in a good place for it to be. Sometimes we, you know, we, we buy a house, it's got a floor plan. Like it just comes the way that it comes and we move in and we don't, we don't always know what we're going to, life is going to be like. We think, oh, it's beautiful. I like it. It feels good until you get in it for a while. And then things start happening. Like what happened to me? Like things start happening. Things start to not go right. And it can happen over time, like a slow drip on a faucet, like drip, one crappy thing, one crappy thing, you know, over time. And then all of a sudden you're like, um, ah, my faucet's dripping. What's going on? And sometimes it's like a deluge. It feels like an avalanche. Like everything happens at once. And you're like, what's going on? Everything's out of control. Um, and over time, there becomes this tipping point when you're like, I can't take this anymore. So when when we move into a house and the floor plan is prescribed, then as a practitioner, I need to look at your energy and the orientation of the property and see where are the hot spots in the property that you can be using so that you can get into alignment with better energy. Right. Now let's let's talk about clutter. Because feng shui, you know, is the practice of energy, of having a good energy flow throughout your house or your workspace or wherever. And if we have clutter, what does that do to the energy? That's a great question. I actually really love that question because there's an important concept in what I teach in, in my class, actually. I teach a class called Learn Feng Shui Secrets. And in the class, we talk about the concept of emptiness versus fullness. This is a really ancient concept that's in some of the ancient texts for feng shui. The idea being that in order for something to be filled, it needs to be empty. So we hear this a lot in modern decluttering ideas. Like if you want good things in your life, then you have to make room for them. This is the the core, the orientation, the actual root of that concept is emptiness versus fullness. So if you want your cup to be filled, it needs to be emptied first. Because especially here in the United States, our spaces are so big. We have actually gigantic spaces compared to like the rest of the world, Europe and other parts of Asia where spaces are actually very small. And we have gotten to a habit here in the United States in general, not, not every city in the United States, but in general, we have so much stuff. We have so much stuff that we don't have a relationship with. We have to rent a storage space down the street to put our stuff in and we don't visit it. We don't use it. It's just sitting there and it's like wasted money because we're just storing stuff that we don't have any relationship with. And so that is absolutely important that we make room for the 
for the the good things to happen in our life. And another concept of that is something called chi flow. So chi is the unseen energy that's in our environment and it needs to be able to flow and move around so that we can interact with it. And if there's too much stuff blocking the way, then it's not going to flow freely. And we'll be able to feel that. Right. I think, you know, one thing about being in the U S is that, especially when we had, when we had just TV and we had commercials, we were constantly being bombarded by you, you know, like you need to have this and you need to have that. Yes. And I think, you know, for whatever reason in our society also feels like, you know, we need to have this great card because the status symbol, you know, we need this, this house, we need this stuff for me stuff just means I have to clean more. So I'm, <laughs> I'm not about stuff. Right. No, you can, you can keep your stuff. I don't, I don't want the stuff. So let's talk about um, clutter under the bed. Yeah, there's a myth. That's definitely a myth that you're not supposed to store anything under the bed. There's also a myth that you can't have a bed on the floor. There's definitely some myths and some myths. I haven't heard that one. I, you know, I heard you can store stuff under the bed if it's like in containers that you just shouldn't have a bunch of like loose stuff under the bed. That's one way to look at it. I mean, one there, there is a con- so there is a concept that she moves in all directions. And so when, if there's no flow underneath the bed, then she cannot flow. Well, my perspective is, well, if you're sleeping and there are cultures all over the world where there are mats on the floor. There's nothing underneath the bed. You're just sleeping on the floor. Does that mean that chi cannot flow around it? I don't agree. I think, I think that what clutter is, is a psychological concept. My, my, my opinion is that a lot of what happens with clutter is that it's psychological, that we have a feeling of lack, that if we don't have this thing that we feel like we need, we're going to be without something important. And that shows up in all kinds of different areas of our lives. And if we're not taking care of the things that are important to us and we're not giving that thing, the respect that it deserves that shows up in mirrored areas. So if our under our bed is cluttered, that under the bed space could be anything. It could be a closet. It could be a garage. It could be a guest room. It could be my desk. It could be anything. How does that mirror the, the inside and the outside, how does that mirror each other? So to me, it's a psychological issue. Hmm, that's very interesting. Mirrors. Mirrors, um, I think in the bedroom. Yeah, we don't like mirrors in the bedroom in general. I also don't like televisions in the bedroom because they have a reflective no. surface. Like so many TVs these days, like are flat screen and they look, when they're off, they look like a mirror. Um, there is this idea that a mirror directly across from you in the bed uh, will reflect you and will bring in a third person. Because what happens is you're, when you're sleeping, you're in a, you're basically not conscious, right? When you're totally asleep. And then when, if you wake up and you get up and you see yourself in the mirror, it's like, it's like another dimensional energy that you don't really want to invite in. It's too jarring. So I don't really like mirrors in the bedroom directly across from the bed for sure that it's, it's known to invite a third person into the relationship. So we definitely don't like mirrors directly across from the bed. I don't like them a lot in a bedroom anyway, because the energy just spins because mir- mirrors are reflective. So the energy just bounces off. Like I once went into a house with a client right. and one of the things I look for in the house is what is what's repeating, uh, what is missing 
uh, what's in excess, just as an example, some of the things that I think about as a practitioner. And I walked in and there were mirrors everywhere. There were way too many mirrors. I was like, mirror, 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 mirror. They were everywhere. And I hadn't even gotten like 50 feet into the house. And I just, that was like one of the first thing I said is like, we got to get these mirrors out of here. And because the energy was just bouncing and spinning and she couldn't sleep. She had headaches, she had relationship issues. It was went on and on. So I personally don't care for mirrors in the bedroom. I don't care for television in the bedroom. Our bedrooms should be a place for respite, right. for rejuvenation, for uh, reproduction, if that's in your cards, um, for, for enjoyment of your partner. It's not a place for pictures of your mother-in-law or your kids, because I really don't need to see those things when I'm trying to be in a romantic relationship with my partner. So it right. really should be a space about you and your partner and a space that's free of other stimuli. Again, t- people, I, getting people to take a television out of their room is really hard. <laughs> I guess. So it's like a battle. I don't really try to fight too much with my clients, but it's not something I advise. I don't know why. And I don't understand why. First off, I don't understand why people need to have a TV in their bedroom. Secondly, I don't know why they need to, why they have to have multiple TVs. We have one room that contains a TV and that's it. Right. And I think that that's how it should be. And not only that, but when you have the one room that contains the TV, then people gather together. You know, you don't have your family split off because it's like, well, you know, it's like, well, let's come together and decide what we want to watch together as a collective. Right. Instead of you being like, oh, well, I don't want to watch this. I'm going to go over there and watch this. But no, we only have one TV. Yeah, no we only TV, have one TV. But- yeah. I mean, that's hard. what's hard is we, we have, we everybody has a mobile device, right? You can get just about anything on your mobile device these days. People have different multiple, multiple mobile devices and a computer. So yeah, have a central TV where it can be a family connective energy. And it's challenging because people can go, I'll just go to my computer over here if I don't like what's happening on the TV over there. I don't, I don't care for watching TV before I go to bed, but I also know that I'm pretty energy sensitive. So I don't really need blue light. I don't need to hear the news in the world. I don't need to watch drama before I go to sleep. I'm pretty protective of that. And so mm-hmm. I, I don't advise television, but I also don't advise smart devices because I've noticed. So you know, when I talk about feng shui, I've noticed that people are really becoming much more energy sensitive to electronics and mm-hmm. Wi-Fi and 4G and 5G. Um, I'm really encouraging people not to use smart devices to be very careful about their, their proximity to towers and things like that. Um, because we are around not only our own Wi-Fi routers in our homes, but our neighbors, if we live close to our neighbors, there's stuff that we can't control. And so the more that we can eliminate some of those things from our spaces, the more our bodies will be able to heal. And this is another reason why I don't think that we need a television in the bedroom. Like I, I charge my cell phone on the other end of the house, like in a bathroom. I'm just not, if, I mean, I love my family. If somebody dies, I'll find out in the next morning. Like there's, <laughs> I don't. Well, when it, and like, if somebody dies, there's nothing you could do about it right then. Anyway. Exactly. You no, know, it's not like you can bring them back to life for anything. Cause, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. A lot of times I think about that because even if I, I only sleep with my phone in the bedroom, on Fridays because I need to be up early Thursday and I use it for the alarm. Yeah. But I put it on airplane mode. Yeah. So nobody can reach me. Yeah. But I, I have my 22 year old son that lives here. They have his number. So, you know, they can call him. Right. Because, in, you know, I've heard of people that they just will go ahead and just shut up their whole fuse box 
or unplug their Wi-Fi just so that they don't have that, that energy. Yeah. Well, but, feng shui yeah. really is for a pristine environment. When we talk about these feng shui formulas, these are ancient formulas that were built hundreds of, you know, almost 2,200 years ago. And so that's a really long time. There was no technology, right? We were, they were living, right. like, trying to figure out like survival of the fittest, which is the side of the mountain I should live on. So my life can be the best. Now we're interacting with all kinds of other technologies and we're not living in a pristine environment. And so we have to take that into account. So many of my clients need to get grounded one, one, get grounded and also separate themselves from technology. Like I, the last two clients I've had, I've had to tell them to turn their Wi-Fi off at night because they're just, there's, because we're talking about children who have not lived below 3G. They don't really know what it feels like to live below 3G. And the accumulative effect on that in our bodies is something that we've never really ex- experienced. And we're just starting to become aware that, that it is detrimental as we age. Um, right. Well, not I'm even as we age. <laughs> not, I, I am too. And it's not even a matter as, as we age, but I see a lot of people when I'm in the grocery store, they, they, their kid has a, the cell phone. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm like, why? why, you know, it's, is it a pacifier? I mean, my kids and, and the, the thing too, with kids these days, what, what does a 10 year old need with a cell phone? Right. My kids didn't have cell phones until they grew up and they were old enough to afford to go buy one themselves. That's so it funny. Like, <laughs> I love it. it. Yeah. You know, you, you don't need, you don't need to have it. And it's like my daughter, when she was in high school, you know, she, if she needed to call me, she found someone that had a phone and she, when she used theirs, yep. you know, so I just don't think it's necessary. And for years, I didn't have a cell phone until 2005, 2006. Oh, you held out a little bit longer than me. <laughs> my husband got me my first cell phone when I lived in Los Angeles because I was, my job was working at for a university. I drove around a lot to different colleges. And like, I was, a new, I was, I'm from Ohio and someone was like new to Los Angeles. I didn't really know where I was going. And that was long before they had, you know, even GPS devices. Like I had to get a map out and figure out where I was going. And I got lost one time and I ended up, uh, I ended up in the wrong side of LA and I got out of the car and this nice man was like, you need to get back Ooh. on the highway, honey. And sent me on a different, you know, sent me away. But when I got back, my husband was like, you need a cell phone. You cannot be out there with a cell phone. And I really resisted, but he got me like a, you know, a, emergency kind of cell phone and that was my first cell phone the flip phone flip phone kind of thing yeah and I really and I only did it because he got it like I wasn't going to get it for myself so I totally understand right that's kind of how it happened with me too it was my husband who had bought me the the flip flow the flip phone and that was when I went to Tennessee my first husband passed away in 2004 and then I remarried and I'm originally from Chicago moved to West Tennessee and that's where he got me my phone now the smartphones, neither one of us had smartphones for a long time. I think we've only had a smart smartphones now for maybe four years. Yeah. And we're not the type of people that every time a new one comes out, we got to run out and go get it. Yeah. We're like one in the store, we're like, show us your cheapest phone, you know, yeah, because yeah, yeah. I, I sell at events and I, I need a, the square and you can't hook a square into a flip phone. <laughs> you know? I don't get me wrong. I, I appreciate technology, right? I Right. I, I like electricity. I don't know that I would want to live without it. I like having indoor plumbing. I don't know that I would, there are advancements in technology that I deeply appreciate and have respect for. And I also 
understand that to create harmony and balance, everything needs to happen in its own moderation. This is part of what we do in feng shui is we see what is excessive, what is missing, and where can we find a balance. And so part of what's happening with my clients is they're coming to me with issues, a wide variety of different issues. Usually it's not small stuff. People are not calling me for what color should I change my, my drapes? I don't work with aesthetics. I work with energetics. So people are calling me with, with the things that feng shui really is exactly for to address wealth, health, and relationships. And so um, we're looking to find that balancing point that fits for the client. Right. Well, you know, and that's the thing too, is I, earlier when I had mentioned, uh, you know, selling the shungite, that's one reason why we do it. And we make the phone stickers because so many people are just so bombarded you know, and there's various health issues that go along with it and they don't yep. realize it. And I mentioned the phone earlier and I have a, a picture because kids, they have more water in their heads than us adults do. And I have an image where it shows the different coloration, how it changes when somebody holds a phone to their head. Yeah. And so it's like when, when you see that and then you think about a child, how much worse is it for them? Yeah. You know, even a 10 year old, mm-hmm. you know, so it's just very, very. Yeah. And if we, if we keep the environments as, as free from, from, from interference as possible, then people actually, especially children, the veil is really thin and they are able to tune into energetic patterns a little bit better than we are as adults. Right. Like even babies, like if you put a baby down in a, a particular crib, like in one direction, you'll wake up and they'll be turned a different way. They're naturally just self-soothing and they're identifying a direction that is better for them. Because one of the things that I do in feng shui is I help people with sleeping issues and the direction that someone is sleeping sometimes needs to be changed and babies will do that naturally. So like I have a client who has a teenager and I kind of looked at his bed and I was like, Hey, how, how did your son sleep in here? And he was like, he sleeps pretty good. And I was like, does he, does he, does he like this bed? Does he, you know, does he choose a different position? Does, you know, he was like, well, normally when I see him, he's like sleep, he like turned a different way. And I was like, why don't you just turn his bed? And he was like, Oh, like, so we don't, we go, Oh, I should just turn the bed. Yeah. Just turn the bed. <laughs> They don't, you don't always think that that's the way that it should be because we walk into a room and we go, oh, the architectural intent is for the bed to be on that wall. But I, my life is terrible. My relationships suck. My money is not happening. Things are going really bad. We don't actually think ourselves that maybe the position of the bed is something that would be a factor because that's not the lens that we live through, right? That's the lens that I live through. And so when things get really bad, part of the reason you're calling for feng shui is to get some clarity about what's going on what could you do differently in order to get a different result? And that's, that's, that's the lens that I look at things through. Well, you know, another thing too is what people don't realize is that, you know, the electromagnetic field that affects us. If you have a TV in your bedroom, Mm -hmm. if your kids have gaming systems, if your bed is on a wall where the smart meter is or where the refrigerator is or other electronic devices, that's going to hinder your, your sleep. Right. Absolutely. I just did an apartment with a client who bless his heart has an apartment right next to elevator shaft. And one of the things that I have learned is that all the electronics are in an elevator shaft that for a building and his bed was right on that wall and bless him. He couldn't sleep. And so I was like, we got to move to the other room. And there's a long list of other stuff that we needed to do. Um, but that's just one, one piece of the puzzle. Um, 
And something else that I do in my practice is also deal with geopathic stress. So the electromagnetics is the technology part. And then the geopathic stress underneath the earth and the way the earth moves is also something that can be very impactful to health issues and sleep issues, behavior issues, all that. Right. So if somebody wants to have a consultation with you about feng shui, how can they reach you? Oh, um, I am on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Uh, my website is, my business is Feng Shui in Motion. And my name is Jillian with Feng Shui in Motion. And my website is fsinmotion.com. So fengshuiinmotion.com. And um, on the website, you can just send me a contact request and we can find a time to have a discovery session. I'd be happy to talk to someone, talk about Feng Shui, talk about Chinese astrology, divination, whatever it is that's called for, we can, we can talk about it all. So speaking Chinese, um, just like they had a break, Chinese astrology, let's talk about that. Sure. So Chinese astrology is essentially taking the time uh, and location of someone's birth and converting it to the Chinese solar calendar to produce something called the four pillars of destiny chart. So in our Gregorian calendar, we go, I was born February 18th, 1985 at three o'clock in the afternoon. And that turns into uh, the young, young, young water tiger in the young wood tiger month in the yin fire pig day into the, and all of them, there are four of them. There's, there's like year, month, day, and hour. And then we get luck pillars, 10 year luck pillars. So like you go to the Chinese restaurant and you go, oh, look at the placemat. And you're like, oh, look, I was born in the year of the dog. And you kind of read the description, you're like, mm, that doesn't really seem like me. Part of it feels like me, but not all of it. And that's because it's only 25% of the picture because we're not looking at just that placemat's only looking at just the year. But if you also look at the month, the day, and the hour, you get much more information. So what I have found with Chinese astrology is that it is a beautiful um, resource to getting understanding on your personality, your most likely decisions, events, and things that happen in your life, why and when things can occur for you, career paths that may be suited for you. Um, a relationship can explain relationship uh, interactions between you and people that are close to you, your spouse, your parents, your children, uh, siblings. Um, it's really beautiful because for me, what I have found is that it gives me some clarity on how to move forward um, in kind of any kind of situation because I understand why something may or be, not be happening and it gives me a path forward about what to do about it. It really resonates for me because what doesn't resonate for me is looking at a Western astrology chart and someone saying, and this is only because I don't know Western astrology. So if this, so if someone's listening to this and like, I love Western astrology, I just don't know it. Right. So someone's saying to me, your moon is in your seventh house and the Jupiter is in your node and you can go release stuff. That is not helpful for me. What's helpful for me is talking to a parent and saying, Hey, your kid has an artistic star in their chart and they have this much element balance in their chart. And it would be really great for you to teach them how to play a musical instrument, particularly a string instrument, like a guitar or a piano. And that is like very specific. And it gives somebody an actionable item that they can work on. Oh, this is going on in my career. Why is this going on in my career? This is going on because an element is out of balance. And so what that means is I need to be my own boss, get on a schedule, uh, find somebody to hold me accountable so that I can do the things that I want to do because this element is missing. So 
what I generally encourage people to do with Chinese astrology is get to know themselves really well, know themselves in their own chart, and then see where they are in relation to the things that are important to them. Like for me, I can explain my own experience. Like I loved learning Chinese astrology when I was working in a corporate environment because I figured out very quickly what I was really good at, what my talents and gifts really, really were. And I would tell my supervisors, hey, this is the thing that I'm really, really good at. Give me this project and give the other project to Joe over there because I saw Joe's project and he's going to do really well with that because that's an element that's in his chart. And it, it worked out really beautifully because I could very articulately explain how you can get the best for me. And then I would take my boss's birthday and I would get his information and I would talk to him in the way that he needed to be talked to <laughs> and give information the way to him the way he needed it so that we had a good relationship. So over time, I really learned how to use my chart in a way that was meaningful. And that's a great way to get started. That was a very long-winded answer to what Chinese astrology is. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. No, that's, I think it's really cool that you were able to go to your boss with this and yeah. he was totally open to yeah. it and, and accepting uh, you know, a lot of bosses, are, they've got this power ego going on where it's just like, no, you don't know nothing. I'm the, I'm in charge. I'm the manager. And you're going to do this. And Joel's going to do that. And that's the end of it. And I don't want to hear another word about yeah, it. Yeah. You know, and I don't know what you're doing over there with this Chinese hocus pocus <laughs> stuff. But uh, leave me out of it. You know, yeah. so it's cool that you had somebody who was open minded going, yeah, you know, and not only that, but then to realize that it can actually make things better for the work environment yeah. and for the the um, pr production. Productivity. Yeah. Yeah. Thank when you, you know yeah. what people are really good at, just give them the stuff that they're really good at. That's okay. They're going to be happier. They're going to feel satisfied. You're going to get more out of them. And then when you mm -hmm. know what all those pieces are, you can really build a team by identifying what's missing, hiring the right person to fill that blank in with the team, understanding how each people communicate. There are people right. who really are visionaries and should be doing the visionary kind of work. And then when it comes down to the nitty gritty small details, they can't, they can't follow through with the vision to, to making the widget. But then there's people who are like, I just want to do the widget. Tell me what you want and I'll make the widget for you. And so when you put those together, they work really beautifully together. That's one of the beautiful things about Chinese astrology is you can see very clearly why people are together, especially like romantic relationships. When you look at a, a partner's charts, like a husband and wife, you can see why one person is with the other one because the husband has something that the wife's chart needs and that's why they are together. And of course there's love and there's chemistry, but it's usually an elemental thing. It's beautiful. So do you work with businesses? Yeah, sure. Yeah. And usually what I'm working with is uh, the owner. I, I work with a lot of small business owners. Um, a lot, my clients are usually ambitious people who feel like something is a little bit off in their life and they're looking for someone they can trust to get some clarity so they can confidently move forward and accelerate their results. So often my clients are small business owners. They're usually doing some of their own work, like uh, affirmations, they're working with coaches, they're, they've got all other systems in place and they're looking for feng shui as an, uh, an added piece to add another layer to all the things that they're already doing. Um, so I'm happy to work with businesses, but usually it's taking care of the top guy first and then mm -hmm. helping that top guy either with hiring or with um, timing for when to do certain things. Uh, also the feng shui of the space so that they, the, the business can be uh, successful. And some businesses have done better than others during the pandemic and, and we know why. What about the Chinese astrology? 
Do you work with businesses with the Chinese astrology? That's a little bit harder, right? Because here in the United States, you can't really ask somebody for their birthday, right? As a hiring component. But um, if somebody is already an employee and they're willing to share and they're willing to participate, then it can be very helpful for a supervisor to know how an employee works and how to communicate with them and what they can best extract from that employee. Um, yeah, so hiring is a little bit more challenging here in the United States. It's not like you can say to a new applicant, let me have your birthday and then run their chart and hire them or not based on their chart. That's not super ethical, but. Oh, no, no, but I mean, <laughs> I, what I was mean, like, you know, okay, I have a business and I have employees. Yeah. Okay. And something's not quite right. And I just can't put my finger on it. Yep. So I say, Jillian, you know, I've, I've talked to my employees about this. They, they, you know, they want to help the business to grow and be more productive and yeah. be happier yeah. with their yep. positions. Yep. So yep. would you come and, you know, do the Chinese astrology on yep. us and help us to put people in places where they yep. need to be? Yes, absolutely. That is that is actually something that I do with regularity for some of my small business owners. Um, and it's a package that I put together, right? Because one, one astrology reading is one. And then if you've got six employees, then we've got to package that together, right? So that, and, right. and usually it's packaged together with a feng shui because not only do they want to know what's going on in someone's chart, they also want to know where, you know, how to use the energy of the environment to suit everybody. Should, should John be in this office and maybe Mary should be in this office. And so we need to know where, which space is going to be best suited for them and making sure that the, the, the big boss, the, you know, that you, the CEO is in the, the right position so that you can be successful as well. All of it's, it's all part of what can, can happen. Yeah. So the CEO is in the biggest office, but actually not Jane always the biggest Blond office, the best office. Jane, I have, Jane, I have Jane a Blond client Jane. who's like in the small corner office and he's like in the sweet spot of the, that particular building. And he's like, I'm like, I had to say to him, I was like, I know that you really want that big office down there, but this is the best one for you. And here's why. And I was like, let's just test it. And we tested it for like six months and things went through the roof and he was so happy. And he's like, I'll just stay here. And I was like, that's great. You stay there. Yeah, that's like what I was talking about. Yeah. You know, CEO is over there, but he actually belongs in the smallest office. <laughs> right. Belongs, but sometimes we also, like if the CEO is not there a whole lot, then we'll give like the, the most productive person that space, right? If it's the salesperson or if it's the admin person that you, you know, need to collect invoices, like we'll figure out who is best for that spot if the CEO is not there all the time. Because I do have a couple of clients that, like have franchises. And so we'll look at each of the franchises and see who belongs where in a particular franchise. And they're not really in one place. They're, they look like a home office and they go to different spots. So it, it, this is completely customized. Everything I do with my clients is completely individual based on their needs and the situations. No two clients are the same. No two situations are the same. It's For me, it's really exciting because it's different every time. There, there are methods and, techno and techniques and time-tested formulas that can be used in all of these situations and how I apply them is completely unique. So it's, it's fun for me. <laughs> so if you're doing like a Chinese astrology for somebody who has like six employees plus the owner, which would make like seven people, how long does it take you to get all that together? Uh, well, some of it is the back work, you know, collecting birthday information. I mean, reading a chart is pretty lengthy process. So usually it happens over a period of time. Um, it's very, that's a very difficult question to answer because 
it depends on if I'm having an onsite, if we're doing it remotely, what the issues are, um, what we're trying to solve for, um, how, how much we're going to get people to cooperate. <laughs> sometimes the, sometimes the CEO just wants to know who, you know, who's going to have problems this year, who's going to, who's going to be challenged, which of my employees are saying that they are unhappy and why are they saying they're unhappy? Um, what can I do to, to make everybody work in a more harmonious way? So that's a little bit of a hard question. Um, sometimes so it it's always, the answer is always, it depends. <laughs> And yeah. that's not a very satisfying answer, but it is a customized answer. Right. Yeah. Well, like you, you said too, it's all different all the time. Yeah. So, so it's not like it's something that's just, you know, the same thing every time and you can, it's going to take this long because you don't know. And obviously um, Chinese astrology is different from Western astrology I know I have a friend that practices another type of astrology where she's a Virgo in Western astrology, but in the other one, I don't know the name of it because I'm not that big in astrology. Yeah. But the, the one that she has, it she's a Leo. She's not mm. a Virgo. Okay. You know? Yeah. So, and it just so happens I'm a Virgo too. And I know I'm a Virgo because I've got very Virgo tendencies. My daughter is always yeah. saying, you're such a Virgo. You're such a Virgo. <laughs> yeah so in in chinese astrology world we we identify people by the yin and yang of their five elements right so someone could be a metal person or a fire person or a water person uh yin fire yang fire you know yin wood yang wood and when we know what that is it's very easy to be like you are such a yang water person you're so emotional <laughs> you know we know that's that my daughter it. she's a cancer my daughter's a cancer and she's like, she's very emotional. She's a very much so a cancer. So that's the, the elements that are in feng shui. Are those the same elements that are utilized in Chinese astrology? Yes. That's how we put them together. Right. So looking at the, the elemental layout in a property, we call it an audit map. So we map out the energy within a property. And then we look at someone's personal energy and we see where they, they will align. And when we can get people to align with energy that is supportive for them, um, then it's, it's, that's just better. Right. So if your chart is missing, for example, if your chart is very, um, metal element and your chart is missing water element, uh, you want to look in the house to see where we can tap into water element that might be supportive to you because in the five element system, that's productive water produces wood, wood produces fire, fire produces earth, earth produces metal, metal produces water. So if you're a metal person and you don't have any water in your chart, you don't have any output. And if you're someone who's trying to have a child, then you need output, especially women, right? If you don't have any output in your chart, then we need to figure out what's going on. It could be that there's something missing in your chart and we need to find it in the house and see if we can help you out with that process. Um, give you more opportunity, right? So everything is about opportunity. This is what luck is. This is the Western perce perception of luck. We go, oh, you won the lottery, lucky you. Or, oh, you stepped off the um, road right before you got barreled down by a bus and you didn't get mangled to death, like lucky you. That's our perception of luck. But really the Eastern perception of luck is about preparation meaning opportunity. So when you're using feng shui and you're using Chinese astrology and you're understanding what these concepts are and, and how to apply them, what you're doing is creating opportunity for you to be ready when it comes, you're prepared when the moment comes for that opportunity. That is luck. 
And the more prepared you are, the more balanced you are in life, the clearer you are, the healthier you are, you have more opportunities because you're ready for them when they show up and they're going to show up there. feels like they show up more often or at the right time because you're ready for them. You know, speaking of luck, what about lucky bamboo? You know, there's this, there's this myth, right? In there's so many myths in, in the, in social media about feng shui. One of them is you need to have a money tree in order to have money. And, you know, my new concept to, to talk about that is first of all, that's not true because if it was true that we all needed a money tree in our home, then Jeff Bezos would have a Sequoia tree in his house and that's not real. Right. So billionaires don't have trees, you know, like gigantic trees in their homes. Plants are great. Don't get me wrong. Plants are healthy. They help clean the air. They can bring a livening spirit. They can be beautiful. I don't have a green thumb. That's fine. Like I am not a green thumb person, but bring, bring plants into your house, but please don't feel like it has to be there in order for you to have the things that you want in your life or to have money. That's not really how it works. Now, if you have an area of your home where you have plants and they're dying, that's usually a sign that the energy is not good there. And maybe you're oh, really, oh yeah, they've caught something negative or there's a, a visiting energy that's very negative and causing your plants to not be healthy. So like in my own home, uh, this year, the annual sickness star is visiting the back of my house and the plants are just really having a hard time. We, you What's know, the annual sickness star. Ah, yeah. So one of the systems that I work with in my practice is what's called flying star feng shui. And th- there's, uh, nine stars that have different attributes or characteristics. Um, one of them is uh, current wealth. One of them is um, future wealth. One of them is misfortune. One of them is, is a sickness star. And so when we, we know how these stars behave and we know predictably where they're going to be visiting and when. And so it happens to be that this annual sickness star is at the back of my house and the plants in the back of my house are just not doing really well this year. So is, is it an actual star? It's, it's not a star. Well, I mean, you can correlate it to a star in the sky, but we, it's unseen energy, right? It's, it's unseen energy and they're going to behave in good or bad ways. No stars forever, good or bad, but how it interacts with you and me and how it interacts with the physical environment is going to be determined by the, what's going on in the outside of the space and what's going on with my personal energy. So it happens to be that the sickness stars as, um, kind of like an unwelcome visitor, you know, when your, your in-laws come, some of your in-laws you get along with really well, you're happy for them. They, they're pleasant. They're complimentary. They're, they're great to have around. You're relaxed. Everything's fine. And then the other person comes and you just cannot handle that energy. You don't want them to be there. It's argumentative. You're frustrated. You, you're unsettled. It's just not a good relationship. You can't wait for them to leave. Well, when we know about that, we can plan for it year to year and month to month if the case is. And it just happens to be that I don't get along with that energy very well. So, so what can we do about it? So is there anything that you could do to make this sickness star go away? Well, I can't make it go away. Right. I just know where it is. Right. And the thing to do is either avoid it or to cure it. Right. So we know how a star behaves, what element it belongs to and what we can do to treat it, to make it better. So it's a little bit like a grumpy 
family member coming, right? Your grumpy father-in-law comes and you know that the, his favorite thing in the world is apple pie. So of course you're going to make apple pie. You're going to have apple pie ready when he comes to visit. It's going to smell really good in the kitchen so that he's on his best behavior and he's really satisfied. And maybe he'll stay for a couple of weeks and you'll make another apple pie. Well, you'll do whatever it takes to make sure that his behavior is really good. And that's what we would call a cure. So we, when we know how things are going to behave, we can work to cure it. Or you can say, hey, father-in-law, come to my house. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go over there while you're visiting. I'm going to go on vacation. You have choices. Everybody has choices about how you can handle it. If we can cure it and you can live with it, then there, you know, there may be small parts of the year when things are not 100%. Um, that's okay. That's more manageable than a whole year of bad things happening. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I really, I'm, I'm shaking my head. No, for a father-in-law staying a week. Actually um, my current husband is, his parents were deceased when we got married. So I never knew them. And my first husband, actually his father was very pleasant and I, I loved him like my own dad, Yeah, you know, his wife, not so much. So we kind of like bumped yeah. heads, but, yeah, yeah. but it is what it, it is, what it is. Yeah. You know, I would just, Change my vibration of frequency when I went around her and I was kind of learned how to control the energy, mm -hmm. you know, that was between us and, you know, how to communicate with her so that things didn't go so bad, you know? Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's just a matter. Yeah. When it's one person, it's a little bit more manageable, but when it's in your home and it's energy that you can't see and you don't, it can't talk back to you, right? You just have to know how it behaves. And so we have to work with that energy when we know how you're going to react to it. Right. Then that's something that's very predictable and something that is well-documented um, in, in classical feng shui. So how long is the sickness star going to stick around? Yeah. So the Chinese solar calendar starts February 4th of every year. Um, and the, the stars move and stay in their position for a year. And so when you know where they are, you can, you can plan for it for the year. And they also move on a monthly basis and an hourly basis and a daily basis, just like a four pillars of destiny chart, yearly, monthly, daily hour. Um, and so in feng shui, we generally treat the yearly stars as a as a precaution, if we, there's something that needs to be tweaked or fine tuned. And for some of my clients that I work with on a VIP level, like on a, on a monthly basis, um, we will tweak things on a monthly basis for them also, depending on what their goals are. So, uh, I don't daily and hourly is way more than a regular person can even handle. I mean, even monthly is a lot. This is like a handful of people that I will work with on a monthly basis who are willing to do that. Um, and sometimes there are changes, sometimes they're not, it just depends on what they're, what they're interested in. Right. Well, Jillian, it has been awesome and amazing and educational having you on today. I appreciate that. Is there anything you want to leave the audience with in closing? Yeah. So my experience with Chinese astrology and feng shui is that everybody is carrying experiences and influences uh, and we don't know what they are. And so much kindness and compassion is needed right now. Um, yes. So when you're interacting with people, be kind. They need it. People need so much kindness right now. Um, and if you have any interest in learning about what's coming up for next year, uh, so the Chinese New Year will be here in February and I will be doing some talks in 22 to give a little forecast about what we can expect for the year. And I'd love to see people join me for those presentations. You can check it out on my website, fsinmotion.com.
Excellent. Thank you so much for being on again. And to the listening audience, keep on shining your light. Have a good day.